What's up, listeners? Yash is back in, and uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about food and culture and stereotypes around different types of food uh, that we get to eat and be a part of every day of our lives. Gotcha. Okay. So I have no idea like about food and probably about culture as well. So like yeah. as, as culture as I get is probably going to, you know, some line dancing on the weekends. That's about it. Hey, nothing wrong with line dancing, man. So uh, last week we kind of mentioned this that, you know, I've been watching a show called Ugly Delicious and it's about um, a chef named David Chang who owns and operates Momofuku, right? Uh, I know he has his restaurant in Vegas. That's the one I've been to, but he originally had his restaurant in New York, which is still there. And so it's his story of going through different types of cultures and different types of food items that cross correlate. So, for example, one of the bigger episodes I, I really kind of it really enjoyed listening and watching was the um, episode about stuffed dumplings, right? So if you think about it, you know, dumplings are a universal concept. And it, for people who don't really get that, I had to think about this. I was like, well, what other cultures have something like that? For the Italians, it's tortellini or ravioli or gnocchi. For the Americans, okay. it's like chicken and dumplings, right? Yeah. For Indians, it's samosa. For for Latin American countries or Latin, Latin food, it'd be like an empanada. Mm-hmm. Uh, pierogies. Uh, I have a list on my phone. I actually looked it up the other day, which is crazy. Um, so pretty much everyone's ripping off everyone. Like <laughs> Instead of just like, oh, yeah, you know, like that's the Indian version of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it really ripping off or maybe all these cultures have roughly the same idea? Right, with the same concept. Everyone knows noodles came from China, right? Mm. But the fact that you know Momo is a type of dumpling that's in Tibet, right? You have ravioli and tortellini in Italy, and that was you know back in the 1300s is when tortellini came around. And you have things like gnocchi, you have things like you know samosas, like I said earlier from India, um, kanish, and you have I think this is pronounced Pete Palt, which is from Sweden and, you know, empanadas, like I mentioned before, like all these different concepts where food kind of is the way to cross cultures and think of it this way, right? When you meet new people, right? What's the best way to meet new people or to, or to really get to know someone? It's over a meal. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what culture you're part of. Everyone can get behind food. It just and melts it's a, away everything. Yeah, else. and a bunch of cultures like that's the one thing to do is like when you're partying, you feast, you have people over, you're eating, exactly. and yeah, that's a it's across cultures. So exactly. that's so, a very good point. I mean, in this episode, he covers a few different food items. I guess you can say right. So he did an episode on tacos, one on fried chicken, one on uh, barbecue. I didn't know there were so many different types of barbecue here in the United States, right? But then there's also like Korean barbecue, right? Where some people say, "Oh, that's not really barbecue per se," but you go to places like Korea and you go to those parts of the world, that is barbecue to them, right? Yeah. It's just a different way of serving it. Or well, I would say that's it. barbecue. I mean, you're just cooking it right there in front of you. Like Exactly. It's just. I think it's a great experience as well. Exactly. It's more nuanced. You know, it's more interactive. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just getting a plate put in front of you with a bunch of meat, potato, and corn. It's like you're being involved. You're cooking yourself and you get to customize it how you want it, right? Mm-hmm. The Chinese have picking duck. And the way they cook it, I mean, picking duck is probably one of the best things you can probably eat out there in regards to uh, different kinds of cuisines and kind of everything out there. I've only had it once and it was like melting your mouth. Perfect. It was awesome. 
according to a couple of people who I asked around and different chefs here in Irvine, mm-hmm. who, who I have a great relationship with a good picking duck chef can cut picking duck into a, and make it a hundred pieces of meat that you can eat. I think that's phenomenal. That shows precision. That shows, <laughs> that just shows the advancements in such precision and, and refinement that they have perfected cooking picking duck and they barbecue it. They're not like stir frying anything like that. It's literally smoked like how we smoke hog. Here in the United States. It's crazy. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, when you eat barbecue, right? What's your favorite thing to eat when you eat barbecue? Uh, just like any type of meat, but like, you know, ribs or just right? like, yeah. But is there a certain type of way you eat your ribs? I prefer dry rub. Well, I, I can't get any, <laughs> I can't get into any specifics because. Yeah, but everyone's really know. slightly different. They have their own little take on it. And I think that's what the beauty of this show is. It's like everyone has their own variation of something. But when you kind of take away the the stereotypes that are associated with that or mm-hmm. the different like connotations of that. Hey, or that cultural is, boundaries. Or cultural things, right? Yeah. It's all eventually the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like last week we talked about if you look at a, a tortilla, right? Mm-hmm. You fold it up and you can get a taco, right? You lay it flat and you fry it, you get a tostada. You know, if you, if you roll it up, it's a taquito. And if you fold it certain ways, it's like an empanada. And an mm-hmm. empanada is kind of like a Latin slash Mexican dumpling. Yeah. How we, how Indian people have samosas, uh-huh. right? So it's, it's just an interesting show to kind of see the different perspectives of the culinary world. And I love the fact that he goes in and says, you know, within the United States, for example, you know, fried chicken is a big thing, but mm-hmm. fried chicken is global, right? Yeah. KFC is a huge, huge market in China. Because they... Which is very strange because, like, I mean... Right? Yeah. But it's common for them. Simply because they thought... I mean, think of it this way, right? Hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Would you really think it's so hard to put, hey, if I've got a bird here and I stick it in hot oil, is that so hard is it to not, figure out? Yeah, is it not going to be delicious? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially like, a chicken. Exactly. <laughs> so they've been doing fried chicken for years, right? Mm. India is the same thing. You go to southern parts of India and they do fried chicken in Kerala. They do fried chicken in parts of Goa and, and Tamil and all that stuff. And it's like... I went there and I never got to experience that, but I know a couple of friends who are from those parts of India and they're like, yeah, we have fried chicken all the time. We just mm-hmm. put a little coconut and chili powder. I'm like, mind blowing. Like that's incredible <laughs> to me. You know, that reminds me of, uh, I think it was like a comedian, but one of my friends told me and he's just like, you know what? Like, why is it like a black thing when people are just like, oh yeah, you know, fried chicken and watermelon. It's like, who doesn't like fried <laughs> or exactly. fried watermelon and chicken? Yeah. <laughs> and water chicken. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know but yeah. They touch on that. They actually uh-huh. cover that in the show mm-hmm. and how that in like certain places like Atlanta, for example, that's coming back into play. That's becoming more and more, I can say nuanced, but popular. People are going back to the roots of those kind of chicken uh, dishes and those kind of meals that are served. And it's becoming like comfort food for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But there's so many negative connotations with it, so many different stereotypes that it's it's only the people who view it like that who see it like that but you have to open your perspective to understand that it's so much more than that yeah there's so many different cultures that also experience that that mm. have that kind of desire to eat fried chicken but if you go outside of the united states there are no stereotypes yes right in regards to fried chicken and watermelon okay and so for me to see that and i've traveled uh, to different countries here and there and i've always like for me fried chicken is comfort food mm-hmm. fried chicken tenders and a little bit of ketchup, I'm good. That is, yeah. That's what I want when I come back to the That's great. Ship, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've had it in different countries and it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered, like, is there a stereotype? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And I'm yeah. like, are you serious? Like, where, I, where I'm from, like, there's a stereotype of this. And I'm like, we're like, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. There's a huge stereotype of this, and it's not seen as a good thing. It's a negative thing in yeah. one community. In my opinion, that's wrong. Yeah, and I will say there's a lot of history wrapped up into it. Like, we have certain foods, like, you know, you have, you know, grits and chitlins and all that stuff. It's like, you know, and it's a cultural thing. And then you have other areas that just, that's what was available in that part of the world at that time. And then just kind of steadily grown. And then it's just like, oh, only those people eat, you know, whatever that is. But I think, you know, do you think there's like a socioeconomic thing that kind of goes into that? Like certain foods are, you know... so in the like show, for certain they, class, I mean, certain, more more than like the other. They world. kind of elaborated on that. Like yeah, when the stereotype originally got created, right? Mm-hmm. It was an economic thing, so that's how they justified it. Like, oh, it was like an economic thing because back then it was. I'm going to touch it and say slaves were able to you know fry birds for their their masters, but it was also a way for them to make money. Like they would you know sell birds or raise chickens and etc. Mm-hmm. etc. And that's kind of where the stereotype was got born or was created. Mm-hmm. And that's where the show kind of touches on. But now I think it's it's a more of a social stereotype. And me personally, I love fried chicken. Like I said, it's my comfort food. Mm-hmm. But I would never associate that with all the other stereotypes because I don't believe in that. Yeah. Uh, because for me, it's just food. I don't see the world like that. Right. But if you ask other people, they're like, oh yeah, you can't say that. You can't go, like they were saying on the show, like David Chang, don't go on national television, eat fried chicken. Like they would never do that. And I'm trying to think like, I get that, but then I don't see the virtue because he is not that kind of person in the sense that he is someone who has broken barriers for the Asian community as an Asian chef. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was very, very kind of interested in seeing how the show played out in different episodes and it touched on a lot of those different things. And I was just kind of amazed by it. And it's, it's, I've been watching the show over and over and over. And it's just incredible. I think that with all those stereotypes that over time, they're going to get broken with more social awareness, with people being more informed. Um, one of the bigger things that I kind of mentioned to you before we started recording was MSG. Right. Yes. There's a yeah. huge stereotype against MSG and Asian cooking, and and that blew my mind because my experience with MSG is that you have restaurants that say like, "Oh, no MSG," but then I made this connection where, okay, MSG must be bad if they're saying no MSG. But I I would say like, if MSG is something that just people told you that was bad, like I did never did any research on it. So exactly. can you tell me a little bit more about that? So like, they cut, like I said, they touched on that on the show, right? So they were saying that like MSG was actually, it kind of made it seem like the back in the day, American companies and American critics would kind of steer this propaganda to make it seem like MSG was bad. Mm-hmm. But MSG is just like a glutamic acid that's attached to a salt. It's basically like a, a flavored salt, mm-hmm. right? And they were saying like, oh, MSG gives you headaches if you eat too much of it. And it's really bad for you. And it's all in Chinese cooking. And so you see like these massive food chains like Panda Express saying no MSG served. Mm-hmm. And it made Americans feel like, oh, as long as there's no MSG in the food, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that that has nothing to do with them feeling having headaches. Maybe they added too much salt. Fine. But MSG is actually not bad for you. It's just a propaganda that the culture here in the United States has created to keep people away from Chinese food and Chinese restaurants. But not only that, like you have, you have money involved. So yeah. like you have all these companies that are saying like, okay, they're a threat, but you were saying that there's more Chinese restaurants than. Yeah. So, uh, on the show, they mentioned this too. There are more Chinese restaurants in the United States than McDonald's, KFC. And I want to say Wendy's combined. And what's interesting about the MSG thing is that in most food processes, there's MSG. 
There's MSG and Doritos. Have you ever gotten sick off eating Doritos? Not, uh, not physically, I guess. <laughs> exactly. So, like in the episode, they did like a little test subject where they had a little, uh, I guess you can say, a sample of people. It's like eight to ten people, mm. and they gave them all these processed, cheap, like junk food, basically. And they were asking about MSG and what they found. They're like, "Oh, well, we always thought MSG is bad for you. It's associated with Chinese restaurants." And David Chang's like, "All the food you're eating now," and they were eating like Lay's and they were eating Cheetos and Doritos and all that stuff mm-hmm. has MSG in it. Yeah. Do you feel nauseous or like you have a headache now? And they all kind of looked at you like, "Wow, no, yeah." So it's like you were basically lied to by MSG. Yeah. And MSG is actually it makes food taste good. Uh, I, I like the restaurants I go to in Irvine here. I look for that. Like I, I'll ask them, like, do you add MSG? And if they say no, I'm like, you want to throw me some in there? Oh, man. Bye. <laughs> and like some of the chefs who I've become friends with over the years, they know I like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'll cook it. How, I'll eat it how they cook it. And I go into some restaurants and I know one guy and I love his food. I try to go there once a week because I love it. It's uh, Chef Juan food. It's incredibly spicy, but it's love amazing. it. Their lamb? Oh, jeez. Oh, the cumin lamb there is fire. So I'll go so to the restaurant and I'll sit with him. And he's like, what do you want to eat? I'm like, I just want, I just want some food. He's like, I just want some, please, sir. I'll, I'll, have some I'll, more. I'll eat whatever you make me. More food. <laughs> I'll eat whatever you make me. And like, he'll put a dish in front of me. He's like, oh, I just made this. Try it. So what you think? And I think last time I had like uh, Szechuan boiled fish. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Before that, I had his version of uh, fried chicken cubes. It was incredible. It's one of my favorite things there. But I, I can taste the MSG because it makes my tongue tingle a little bit with the Szechuan mm-hmm. peppers. Yeah, and it's brilliant. And I think it tastes amazing. I, I can't get enough of that stuff. Okay. But it like after having his cooking and like going to other restaurants in Irvine and the old parts of Irvine where it's more, uh, I guess, you know, tailored to the Asian Chinese community, mm-hmm. you know, where the menus are basically in Chinese as only Chinese customers and stuff like that. That for me is more the authentic experience than going to like Panda Express or Panda Inn or, you know, some sort of magic walk. Mm-hmm. Um I just, I think the food is on a whole nother level. And it kind of made me realize, like, there's so many different types of Chinese cuisine that we don't know, right? There's, like, Shang, uh, Shanghainese food. There's Cantonese food. There's uh, Hunan, Hunan food and Yunnan food. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mainland Chinese food. There's banquet dining. There's imperial dining. And there's so many different levels of complexity to it yeah. that we in the United States are so unaware of. We just kind of categorize it all as one word, Chinese mm-hmm. food. Yeah. And I think that is a huge social injustice. Uh, that's like saying for Indian people, like, oh, Indian food is only curry and rice. That's not true. Yeah. You have different types of cuisines in India from different states of India. Like, I'm from Gujarat, which is mostly predominantly vegetarian state, but I eat chicken curry because you can find chicken curry there, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to the places like Kerala, they do fried chicken there. If you go to the high north where most of the commercial Indian restaurants that you find in the United States are Punjabi, right? All their food or most of their food is, is meat based or, and it has a lot of cream and butter in it. And it's very flavorful. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you go to other parts like Hyderabad, it's biryani, which is like a marinated meat chicken served in a bed of rice and baked as a pot in a pot. And it tastes incredible. Mm-hmm. Like there are different aspects of it, different types of cuisines, just like there are in China, but we get categorized in one section saying it's Indian food. Yes. Right. <laughs> And you can say like with American food, but we know if, well, me being an American, it's like, yeah, but you can go on the West Coast. You can have a burger that's completely different, like pizza. That's why that's the biggest thing. You have New York exactly. pizza. You have Chicago pizza. You're telling me your experience with that. Right. And we have just all those areas. But then outside looking in, it's just like, oh, that's American food. But just every single place has their own little little exactly. spice to it or a little um, thing that they make it their own. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, it's really opening my eyes, like as far as like how cult, how much history and culture is like involved in just food, like oh, in, yeah. and I, I take food for granted, like hundred percent. I take it for granted, but <laughs> but I, I would say back to the MSG thing. Um, I would say that. Uh, for me, that was kind of an experience of fats. Uh, I had recently gone on the keto diet and really embraced uh, actually having healthy fats and using that as energy rather than carbohydrates. Right. And then doing a little bit more research than that, it's just like there's a business surrounded by people convincing like, hey, these refined sugars and these carbs and all that stuff are way better for you than, you know, these healthy, stupid ass, you know, fats that are over here. So um, very similar experience. Like, I mean, MSG, I have no idea about it, but like I I do want to do a little bit more research because I've always stayed away from it because like nobody even told me that it was just no MSG. Must be bad. Yeah. And the assumption, right? And also, you know, you associate with China. It's just like, oh, well, China doesn't have our health in mind. So it's like they must be trying to kill us. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that's that's just like our American superiority complex. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you know, so. like a lot of things that we think are Chinese are not actually Chinese. Like General Style Chicken is American. Fortune cookies are American. Like burritos are Californian. Mm. Right? The fortune cookie was invented in California, not in China. You know, I, I can imagine that like oh, yeah. some marketer got their hands on it and there's like, hey, you know what? Like if we have a little dessert, like, you know, Americans will eat that up. Like, right. It's exactly. But like it's 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 incredible to see like how the show really breaks down different types of food. So like the barbecue episode, for example, right? Uh, I don't eat that much barbecue. I mean, it's what we make at home or like when we go out to say like Dave's famous barbecue, for example. Right. But like North Carolina barbecue is different from South Carolina barbecue, which is different from Memphis barbecue, which is different from. Dallas barbecue and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know that. But after watching this episode, I'm like, that makes sense, right? Tradition is tradition. And they, they have their own variation of it, right? So, like, I think it was in North Carolina. They chop up all their pulled pork, right? But mm-hmm. in Texas, they prefer whole pieces of meat, yeah. right? They prefer big beef versus pork. Yeah. And they'll do a steak versus a pulled pork or a hog. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible to see the different processes because these pit masters will burn their and smoke their hog for like 20 hours all throughout the night work hard they'll do wood chips and they're not putting it on the fire they're smoking it so they're burning the wood chips down taking the embers and shoving it in a smoker yeah and it's like it looks phenomenal like i want to go over there and go try that uh, yeah when i was in tennessee i got to try uh, memphis uh barbecue mm-hmm. it was awesome like it was it was hickory it was a little bit of smoky and it had that nice little tangle with a sweet honey finish and it was like melts in your mouth tender like it was yeah. nothing was dry it was perfectly cooked and seasoned and it was like i want this in california but you're never going to find it there yeah you have to go there and eat that and so you know these kind of shows ugly delicious you know mind of chef i mentioned last week it really opens up your perspective on what's out there in the culinary world mm-hmm. right everyone thinks fine dining you think french you think you know high end sushi maybe mm-hmm. but there's so many different types of food out there cuisines that it may not be fine dining but it's just as flavorful it's just as tasty it has that same level of umami and perfect examples another episode they did was um 
I think it was it was about crawfish. Mm-hmm. Like crawfish is really big in the South, right? New Orleans they have one way of cooking it, and in Houston they have another. Mm-hmm. So they did an episode, on and they're it. not that far away from each other. They're not. Yeah. Right. So one's influenced by Vietnamese culture. They literally call it Vietnamese Cajun, and then the other one's just your standard, I guess you can say Creole Cajun, right? So they they cook their crawfish in a sauce that's you know mixed with all the spices and salts and herbs and all that stuff, and then mm-hmm. they boil the crawfish and then serve it with potato and corn. Yeah. And Houston, they are crazy about this Vietnamese Cajun right now, or Vietnamese crawfish. Which is strange. I mean, I wouldn't think that Houston would have any exactly, Vietnamese right. population where it's, it's noted. one of the largest Vietnamese populations in the country. Huh. Never knew that. I yeah. was like... I, I wouldn't know that either. Yeah, I was, like, blown away by that. Yeah. So they take their crawfish, they boil it in, like, regular salt water, stuff like that, and then they take all the, the spices and the salts and all that, everything that they use to marinate it, and they toss it in a giant bowl like they do, like, hot wings, for example. And it's just, like, flavor bursting in your mouth when you bite into it, right? But you saw that clean taste of the crawfish. Mm-hmm. I've only had crawfish once, and it was it was... I think I was in uh, I was in a different part of Louisiana when I had it. Not in New Orleans exactly, but it was a standard traditional way. Yeah. And it was incredible. I mean, I could eat crawfish for days. Like, it was really good. I wouldn't need the corn or, or potato. To be honest, I just do a piece of bread just to make sure I had something solid. But it was incredible. And, like, I know I'm trying to get to Houston for a buddy's bachelor trip in a couple months. I'm like telling my friends like we gotta go try this like, yeah we're i'm planning out the food right now yeah like i they actually made me in charge of all the restaurants i'm like mm-hmm. we're gonna go do this like if i have to drive to somewhere in the middle of nowhere like we're gonna go do this but apparently like they have a huge massive Vietnamese culture there so it'd be like downtown like it's just like oh, yeah here it is like it's just like a, a huge row or huge section of their town which is all Vietnamese restaurants uh, you know, full places, the, the Vietnamese sandwich shops, some of like that. And they're like, that's the norm there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible. That kind of shows you the integration that we're seeing in different parts of the United States of different cultures. Right. Yeah. So for example, you go to LA, LA is still LA, but if you go to like Alhambra, Monterey Park, South Pasadena, you're going to see more Asian influences. Yes. You're going to see more Asian restaurants pop up. And they're not just bringing, you know, stuff from Asia. They're bringing stuff from Spain. They're bringing stuff from, you know, different parts of Madrid and different parts of Barcelona. I know I said Spain, but those specific things. I have a buddy who owns a restaurant in South Pasadena in the Spanish, Spanish tapas. And I wrote the review there. I've been there twice. It's great food. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chef is from Barcelona. She's very talented. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking at my friends and they're Vietnamese. I'm like, you brought this talent here. Like, how did you guys meet? How did you guys connect? Like, how did this come to be? And they're like, we don't want to see ourselves being tied down limited to one type of food, one type of cuisine. You know, we were born and raised here in the United States and the United States is a melting pot of culture and cuisine. So why can't we, why can't we open a restaurant like this? You know, who says we can't do this? And I think it, it kind of feeds back onto the show who, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of geared around David Chang and he has that mentality, you know, he, when he opened his first restaurant or, uh, Momofuku, you know, he opened a noodle bar and the restaurant he was at before where it was Italian, they were like, this guy's came in with chopsticks. Now he's leaving an open noodle bar. It's so crazy. Like it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. A year later, he's on top of the uh, culinary food world. He's on covers of magazines and the yeah. chefs that were snickering at him before were like, where where this guy yeah where where this guy come from where this like this guy blew us out of the water like we're idiots for not doing something similar Mm -hmm. and so i'm a big fan of him simply because in his mind he's thinking why can't i go do that who says i can't go do that Mm -hmm. i don't believe in that limit i'm gonna go beyond that and so that's why i've become a huge fan of him and his show and 
what his show is trying to educate people on that you shouldn't be scared of these different types of cuisines. You should go with an open mind and go up there and say, Hey, I'll have what you're having. I want to eat what you eat. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And and you've expressed that where you go to different places. You're just like, Hey, you're a local. Tell me where to go. Like, I'm not trying to go to this, you know, in and out if it was like somewhere else, but something that I'm familiar with, like, tell me where the locals eat. Like, that's where I really want to experience the culture. And that's, you know, that's very powerful, but also going back to, um, just his experience and just like, you know, breaking down boundaries and all that stuff. Like, I think it takes a special type of human being to go and just be like, okay, um, I want to be so different from everybody else that, you know, even though everyone doubts me, like this is going to happen one way or another. And then people are going to notice like after the fact, but I would say like, I can empathize with that. Like I can really relate to it, but I do kind of fall into that conformity, like, you know, because I'm, I mean, I have a very high filter as far as like, even on this podcast, like, I feel like I'm not truly myself, but part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is so that I can be more comfortable being able to express my ideas. So, uh, it's, it's great to see people that, because they're an inspiration because like you said, in your experience, like you're looking at him and you're just like, you know, why can't I do stuff like that? Like, I just want to do what I want to do. And doesn't matter if like, I, if I think it's cool, like that's all I need. I don't yeah. need other, other people's input is just a non-factor. Yeah. So, uh, to touch back on the Game of Thrones line, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. Uh, they said in a couple seasons, but it's, uh, the line does not concern themselves with the whispers of the sheep. That was a great line. I love that line. But I took that line was great. Yeah. It was yeah. just like, man, let me write that down. Like yeah. I'm about to tweet that. I wrote that down. I, I, I turned it into a little bit of mantra and that's, that's why I am the way I am today. Like I don't want to be like everyone else. I don't want to listen to what other people are going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll take it in and that's their opinion. That's fine. But it's not going to alter my perception. I am who I am and that's who I am. Yeah. Embrace it. If not, cool. That's your opinion. Yes. Uh, and that's all it is. It's an opinion. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know you, you want to, you're doing more of these episodes to kind of really open yourself up, but yeah. give it time, man. You just need that, that spark, that lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And you're going to like flourish. Like I know that because I mm-hmm. see that potential in you. You <laughs> have that ability to do great things. Yeah. We just got to find that spark. Of so course. if it's on this podcast or, you know, you and me go grabbing a drink and we go talk about it or we go and try some inspirational food, which now that I know you've never had anything with MSG, we're going to go do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see if we can crack this sucker open. Yeah. No, I'm down. <laughs> for that like yeah. come on let's do it, yeah, let's do it yeah. <laughs> no it, it's it's great to uh i mean even you doing your own thing doing this you know fitness thing like uh i know there's tons of people that are feeling the same way there's like oh i'm stuck in you know either this job or this career or at school where i don't want even want to be there like okay. uh it's it's very hard to say you know ignore all the voices that say like oh i know more than you or they're older especially your parents like they carry a lot of weight so when they say like no you can't do that like you know it's it's very hard to overcome that and say like no i'm gonna gonna make this happen because i love whatever i you know that i like to do exactly so so there's always gonna be naysayers in life there's always gonna be saying there's always gonna be critics out there right but you can't let them weigh you down yeah and you need them you just kind of put them on the fire and say hey you're my fuel right now let's put it exactly it's a fuel because yeah if if we didn't you know you're doing something right when you have haters crawling out of the woodwork saying like oh you know whatever you're doing i I don't like it because unless it's somebody that's doing it way better than you like even then 
there's basically you coming for them. So, so like, I mean, in general, just people, they just want to tear, like tear you down and just say like, no, pump the brakes. Like, you know, come back to my level. Like we don't need that. I've I've had a lot of those on Yelp, uh, a lot of critics on my reviews saying like, Oh, that's not true. That's not right. You know, what about this? What about that? You never touch base on that. Uh, when I write reviews, it's only on the food. I don't care about the service. I don't care about the bathroom. I don't care about any of that. And stuff. I'm there to write reviews about food. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have one guy who just harangued me on Yelp until I eventually just called Yelp and like, look, you gotta, you gotta stop this guy. Like he's just hassling me for, he's heckling for no reason on Yelp on Yelp (laughs) of all places. Yelp. I I wouldn't talk about the waiting service, but it's like, I'm not going to write a bad review on waiting service because you know, I used to, like I would help out in kitchens and stuff like that on my old job. And I used to wait on, on different people and it'd be like, I'm not going to blame the waiter if he's having an off day. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's just being overworked or he's working a double shift, yeah. the food does not change that. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't, it doesn't get affected by that. He does not have any effect on the food. That's all the chef's work, right? Mm-hmm. There's two chefs in the prep kitchen. That's what I'm here for. If the waiter's having a bad day or something like that, I'm not going to hold that against him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to never give a tip. Like, you're doing your job. I respect that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're bringing me food. I'm never going to be disrespectful for you. And, you know, this guy just kept heckling me on this. And eventually I, I mm-hmm. just had to write an email to him like, you need to stop this guy from running out. And apparently he he was heckling a bunch of other Yelp re- uh, reviewers. Which is and strange, yeah. Which is strange. I mean, I never knew that was a thing on Yelp, but apparently mm-hmm. people were getting heckled. And he like was heckling 30 other people. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what this guy does for a living. Like, he just had to have, uh, he must have no job and just spend his entire day reading other people's reviews and heckling them. Yeah, it's strange there's actually trolls like that that do that 24-7. It's yeah. like, how do you have the time and how do you get that much satisfaction out of it? Exactly. And, you know, some of them do because they actually get to people and they see the reaction and they're just like oh yeah i got in his head like you know that now i'm just gonna keep doing it because like, it gives them like an odd like high yeah and um i especially see it on twitter like the twitter's twitter's probably the worst of the social medias as far as trolls because i mean you put out misinformation you can photoshop photos like all that stuff so they just come out of the work, woodwork, but I've never heard it on Yelp, like oh, yeah. it's, it was at all. Nuts. And like the one of the chefs who I wrote a review on, uh, I guess he got notified by Yelp because a, a couple of his reviews got heckled by the same guy. Mm-hmm. So I called him personally, and I'm like, "Hey, look, uh, please know that I do not have anything against your food or anything like that. I wrote a good review. This guy is just heckling. I don't know what it is." And the next time I went there, he he called me. I called him like, hey, I'm going to come by your restaurant. Like, let's grab a drink. Like, I'd love to try this. I, I know I saw this on your menu, but I didn't get to try it last time. And so we, we talked for like half an hour and like we really connected. Like, he's a good dude. And so, you know, he really got to got to see what Yelp reviewers are going through and stuff like that. And he kind of sympathized with me like, hey, look, you know, I know you're writing reviews and like that. And like the service was great. Like I didn't, I, I'd never mentioned it, mm-hmm. but I never mentioned it once a bad service either. And he kind of, it's like, why do you do that? I'm like, because I'm here to write reviews on food, yeah. not you know the state of your bathroom or the state of, you know, parking situations or anything like that. I don't care about that. Yeah. Because I can always fix that by Ubering somewhere or I don't have to go to the bathroom at your place. And there's also other ride. people that are going to review just for like, Oh, there's no parking. I hate it. There's going to be people, but you went there for the food yeah. and that was so exactly what you Yelp's, wanted. Yelp's not meant to be like that. Yelp is not meant to be like, Oh, there's no parking. I hate this restaurant. That ruins the restaurant. 
for nothing but parking. That's city planning. And it's like, uh, you know, it, right. that's your point of view. Exactly. And yeah, for another person, I mean, look at like any of these restaurants. People line up for days. I think it's uh, Pink's Hot Dogs. Like the first time I went there, uh, a friend of mine uh, took me there. And I was like, are you kidding me? There's a line. Like, no, I'm not going to wait in line. But that's just personally me. But I'm not going to be like, no, Pink's Hot Dogs. Like never go there. Just me personally. I'm just like, all right, when is it like there's no line? Like, you know. Right. There was a, um, it was a couple years ago. My buddy had just moved to uh, San Francisco. He works at GitHub. And me and my friends here, he's part of our crew back here. We all went to UCI together. And you know, it was his first couple months up there. And we we're like, we haven't heard from him in a while. Like, you know, you must be a little bit alone. Let's go up there, you know? So three of my buddies, we got in the car. We went up there. And we were going to surprise him. But then my friend's like, we got to go try this place called Sang Tang or Tang Song. Mm-hmm. And it literally has the best fried chicken wings in California. And it's ranked. Not on one magazine, but like four magazines, right? Mm-hmm. But my friend's like, if you're going to go, there's going to be like a two-hour like hour wait. Me and my friends were like, we don't care. Let's go try it. We got time to kill. If we leave early enough in the morning, we'll get there early enough. Mm. So I waited two hours for that place. By far, it did not let me down. It was totally worth it. Two hours, though? Like, two hours for the greatest me. wings in California? Ding! It was totally worth it. Uh, I would do that every time for those wings. And it wasn't anything fancy. Wow. It wasn't like special sauce or anything like that. It was just a straight, regular fried wings and a little bit of white rice. And it was bomb. Because they double fry it. Man. And they do it at two different temperatures, some special way that they know. And it was crunchy and, and tender, and it never went soggy. It was, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the, probably the best things I've had in the last couple of years. Damn. So, it was just like, I mean, have you ever had a meal where it triggers a memory? <sighs> yes. Y- yeah, yeah. I- I've, I have plenty of those foods. So that's why, I like, you know, I'll have them over and over. But then right. there's certain places or certain like restaurants just have their unique style where it's just like oh this was just like you know back in that one time like you know definitely right yeah so that's those are like for me personally like that's when i have some of the best meals of my life like if i like i don't go looking for this it just happens right it's because the chef doesn't know you it doesn't know what you grew up with or what you're used to eating but if i bite into something and it triggers a memory of like my mother's cooking or my grandmother's cooking like for me, that is the highest level of umami I could ever experience because it's so phenomenal. It triggers something for me. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's like, I've only had that maybe a handful of times. And those were probably the best meals of my life. And they weren't Al, they weren't at Michelin star restaurants. They were at regular restaurants, mom and pop kind of places. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what makes fine dining. Um, you know, it's not white linen sh- sheets on the table, a guy in a penguin suit and bring flowers and walking around with water in a jug trunk. <laughs> so I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. For me, food comes from the soul. If you can make an amazing dish and it's a mom and pop restaurant, that's my kind of place. Mm-hmm. I like those kind of places where it's a hole in the wall because I know I'm going to get the best food. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be over ostracized by, you know, social media saying, Oh, it's this, this, and this, and this, and that. And it's, it's just flooded and basically kind of Americanized. It's those places that really speak to the root of the chef, what he's trying to make you experience. And I think those are the kind of meals that just blow your mind away. And that's kind of what this show touches on. Mm -hmm. Ugly Delicious definitely delivers on that message. Um, And he kind of referenced this Disney movie. And I'm going to reference this series. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's in Ratatouille, right? (laughs) I know you're laughing, but it's so (laughs) true, okay? Just listen. So when the critic bites into the Ratatouille, at the very end of the movie, he gets transported in his mind to a memory of his mom's cooking when he, I guess he got injured from a bike ride and his mom gives him a bowl of ratatouille. And it's like this 
level of satisfaction on his face, that level, that quality of umami, he's achieving that mm-hmm. by simply biting into it. I experienced something very similar when I buy into certain things like that. So one of them, for example, was uh, I had a piece of venison in Colorado, and the restaurant was known for dipping sauces. Like you, you order a dish, and they had different different sauces that you would kind of pick and choose to have with your meal. And I basically told the waitress like, I want to order the venison, but I don't know what dipping sauce that goes with this. And she's like, Well, do you mind if I recommend? It? I was like, That'd be perfect. Whatever you recommend, I'm going to go with this. Uh, that'd be great. She's like, well, what do you kind of look for in a meal? I'm like, well, something that's savory, a little spicy, that'll be great, but something that really, really brings it all together. She's like, all right, cool. Let me have, talk to the chef and we'll bring some out for you. Mm-hmm. I literally had two bites and I was literally transported like, this is just like, you know, steaks that my dad used to make for me. It just melts in your mouth. It's perfect. And everything ties in together. And I felt like I was back home, but I was in Denver, Colorado. Wow. So like those kind of meals, that's, that's what's incredible about food. Like that's what food should be like you know what i mean that you, yeah you experience that gotcha so. yeah and i actually got to tell you uh my first well actually what changed my view on food in general so um i was actually in vegas um you know tons of good food out there but i just haven't experienced it so uh it was um the weekend of my birthday and a friend of mine so we're just like all right you know let's go out to dinner so they're looking for places to go and they find this you know kind of fancy like asian type restaurant so we go in and you know i'm kind of looking around i was like oh this is kind of a nice place it's kind of empty like you know kind of weird so open up the menu and like the cheapest thing on the menu is like 110 dollars. and i'm looking at it i'm just like this is about to clear my bank account right now like i mean are you kidding me like what kind of you weigh? uh was that what kind of restaurant was this? Cheapest thing was a hundred bucks. Oh man, it was it was a uh, hibachi type grill, but it was it was just like was it uh, Japanese? Um, well, yeah, that, that makes makes sense, right? So that would, would be, be a, uh, yakitori. Yak- that does sound. Is it like meat on little sticks? No, no, no. Was on little sticks. Maybe when they served them. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think you're right. Yeah. So but that's, um, we had a party. So we're, you know, around the grill yeah. and then the chef came out and I'm just like, like, can I get a salad? Like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> you know, I can't be doing this. Like, this is going to like, I can't do anything else in Vegas. Yeah. But, uh, so ended up going with the surf and turf, got some like lobster and some steak and everything. And okay. so like, um, first thing he starts chopping up the vegetables you know, he's just like, you know, tossing, you know, all that oh, stuff. And then, kind of restaurant this is. Okay, that's definitely the yakitori, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, he passes the vegetables. Right. And so I'm, I'm just like looking around. Everybody's just like stuffing their faces already. I'm afraid to touch it because I'm afraid it's made of gold and I might take it with me. But so then, you know, I take a bite of the vegetables. Never tasted anything close to that as far as a vegetable goes. Right. It was it was insane. I was just like is this meat? Like, or like, what is this? Like, I mean, I love vegetables, but I mean, it was, it was tender. It was just like, as like, I was, I just can't even explain it. It was just yeah. like, it, my mind was blown. I was like, all right, this is great. So then he, you know, uh, I think we had some rice with it and the rice was phenomenal too. And yeah. then, then he gets to the meat and he's just like, you know, just doing his whole thing. Right. You know, right. just like throwing knives everywhere, like all that stuff. Meat comes out and, and it was the best lobster and steak 
like 10 times as good as like the best steak I've ever had. Exactly. And it was like the whole time I was just like, oh my God. And then they're just like, oh, you want some drinks too? I was like, yeah, give me some almond champagne. Like, you know, <laughs> let's, let's get this going. Like, and, and I ended up spending like probably $200, but it was just like, it was so worth it. Like right. at that point I was like, I'm sold. Like this is worth the money that I'm paying. Exactly. Um, yeah. But like the, going in, I was just like, no, let's, let's go get some $10. Like, you know, real quick. <laughs> Like, but it, it it led to such a fantastic night. After that, we went to uh, uh, Circuit de Soleil. Like, yeah. uh, I think it was Ka. Um, great show. Like, came like the whole night was just better, and it started from that meal. I mean, a ten dollar meal, it would be a non issue. But it was just like that uh, was so worth it. Oh yeah, some some of the best food I've had is in Vegas. Uh, I think I think grad school. Uh, one of my buddies, he's a professional chef, and he's like, hey, we're going to go try this place called Sage. It's like, all right, cool. He's like, gosh, I'm going to order for you. Just, just eat whatever I order. Like, all right, for, for sure, no problem, you know? So we had, first of all, we had a vaporized absinthe martini. Never had that before. Because you're not drinking, you're inhaling the alcohol. So it goes straight into your blood system, mm. and it, like, you feel it. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. That was... You said it was absinthe, right? Yeah, so it was, like... it was mixed with a martini as well. So you mm. had a little bit of vodka... A little bit of orange. They served it with a little bit of orange juice for some strange reason. I think that was the absent part, but it was awesome, right? And mm-hmm. the, like, it's a full service. Like the guy's holding the glass for you, so the vapor doesn't escape the glass. And like, it was just a really cool setup. <laughs> wow. Um, and then we, he gave us also venison as well. I don't know why, but I always didn't have venison around with me. Wow. Um, how is how is venison? Like, it's amazing. Way. Yeah. I, some people say it's a little gamey. It's a little tough. I think it's great if it's cooked correctly. Uh, I'm sure it's great. Like, I mean, I've heard oh, yeah. a lot of good things. I about mean, it. The, the chef who prepared it, uh, he served it. What I, I think it was like shiitake mushrooms and like some sort of like um, shredded onion or something like that, and it just melts in your mouth, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, it was like it was an expensive dinner. I'll admit that, but it was just like, I mean, granted, I, I did well at casino, so I was able to like cover that, but it was fine. But that was like perfect. You know, that's the kind of experience that you know sometimes like I want to go look for. But it was at a super fancy restaurant. But ideally, sometimes that's not the best place. Like the best steak I've ever had in the world in my entire life was here in Santa Ana at a place called Playground 2.0, right? I went for their ultimate steak dinner. Really? Right? And it cost less than what I spent in Vegas for that whole venison and all that extra stuff. And it was like $175, drinks and tip included. Everything was included, right? It's one yeah. big price. It's going to be fine. But it really was the best steak of my life. Yeah. It was Wagyu beef on a whole oh, okay. level, right? Yeah. But it's like little pieces. And I'm like trying to think of a, like I got to talk to the chef. And it was a seven-course meal. It wasn't just like one piece. You actually want to have a talk to the chef. like, hey, that was amazing. No, because Tell this me. restaurant only seats 12 people. You're sitting at a countertop. So and the chefs are right there. Got it. Right? This is a limited thing that they only mm-hmm. do like once or twice a month. And it was incredible. Like the steak was completely, perfectly marbled. Every piece was like that. He's like, this one piece of beef comes from one cow in Japan that they only sell 10 of these cows a year. That's how hard it is to find this piece of meat. And I'm like, I'm looking and I'm like, you sure you want to give that to me? Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. This? <laughs> Jesus. But it was me, my dad, and my brother. And phenomenal. Better than anything I've ever had. And I've been to SW Steakhouse in Vegas. I've been to different nice steakhouses in, in, in New York. I've been in uh, Denver and had incredible steakhouses there. I've been to San Francisco and had, you know, all the Kobe and Wagyu you can find under the sun. I've been to Australia and done the same thing. You just eat well. Like, <laughs> nothing, nothing compared to that one steak. Like, this was on a whole nother level. It just blew everything away. 
And you know what? It was probably cheaper than all the other state dinners combined. Mm. It was incredible. Like we, like I was telling you, we went to uh, Chicago last week, right? For my, yeah. my cousin's bachelor party. We went to Maple and Ash. These guys couldn't hold a candle to what I had in Santa Ana. And it's Santa Ana. It's not a fancy town. It's not Chicago. Yeah. It's not Chicago. Chicago it's, not a city. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little part of Orange County. A little, this is literally a gem hidden away. Yeah. The food. And That's what I'm saying. It's like Santa Ana. Like, yeah. Like, you would not expect something. It's places, man. They, they come up and they're just phenomenal food. And so I just, I, I, I mean, I'm blessed. I'm very lucky to be able to eat like the way I do. And I'm very glad I can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's like, it, it really opens your perspective. Like I, I got to know all the different chefs and these guys trained in, uh, France, they trained in Italy, they trained in Japan, they trained all over the world. And these guys chose Santa Ana to open their restaurant and to host that dinner. And it kind of just, well, the rent's cheaper than LA. Hey man, I'll take it. I don't have to drive in you know, hours of traffic to get to LA. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, I mean, it just, it just kind of touches back on what this show that I've been watching kind of refers to, right? Good food can be found anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in these certain places and these certain types of cuisines. So, I mean, it's just incredible. And so to be able to open that perspective and kind of show people, Hey, you can good, good food anywhere. It's not just, certain types of cuisines or certain type of places, it can be anywhere, any place, mm-hmm. by anyone. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah. No, it's, it's very interesting. Like just, you've traveled way too much. You've ate, too, <laughs> had too much food. Well, may, too may, much. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have just, just crap food, yeah. but, um, no, that's, that's amazing stuff. So, yeah. of my mind are an enigma thanks again listener for tuning into the podcast we do appreciate any comments or feedback on any sort of channels where you're listening to the podcast right now actually this is an interactive experience so if you are interested in leaving us a voice message you can download the anchor app which is on apple or google store once you download the app you can find us and leave an audio message which will be played back on the next episode right here and you'll be featured and you'll be tagged and all that good stuff so leave us some feedback and also an audio message it does help us Again, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can find us at calendly.com slash jcjstreet32. Again, that's calendly.com slash jcjstreet32. See you next time.